0: Okay, so let's let's put let's put us a uh, the big context I'm trying to accomplish, which is the chapter three of the book. The small context that we're trying to accomplish, and the build up to that, and we'll see. We'll hopefully we'll finish the smaller context today. Maybe maybe we'll get to begin the, the third part. So the big picture I'm trying to argue for is that it is both possible and necessary for uh, for rabbinic authority to yield. New restrictions and new chumras today, and not just and not just new coulis. Um The barrier to that is that there is a position, which as we'll see, Rav Yosef mm-hmm. will um, will call at, will describe as a principle established by all the Rishonim and Achronim, that we cannot be gozerik zerot out of our own mind. Um, so in order to get in order to challenge that claim of Rav or at least to find a way to make that claim of Rav practically irrelevant, um, we'll have to go back to try and figure out what are the sources of rabbinical authority generally, and specifically for the purposes of Zerot. and then having established something about the source of rabbinic authority generally, we can then go and see to what extent does that authority adhere in whatever kind of a- halachic authority you think exists nowadays, and to what extent are any restrictions of that authority in um, Intrinsic meaning the mere fact that we live in the time we do with the people we, we do means we can't have that authority? Or is it, are there choices we're making that prevent that authority from actually being implemented? Okay, that reasonably clear? Okay, so we saw last time that the, uh, that the Gemara basically mm-hmm. prevents two, presents two possible, three really, but one of them we just ignore, uh, sources for uh, rabbinic authority extending beyond Rabbinic authority mm-hmm. to determine what we call the right the law directly, meaning claims that the Pesukim mean this. All right? We saw a Gemara which said that mitzvot um, mitzvot rabbanan, right, meaning a totally new uh, totally new um, really like a ritual creations of the rabbis, like Hanukkah and Megillah. Those come from the Pesuk of Lotasur. Then we saw a um, Right, and that answers like his next question: Where did God command us? God commanded us in the Torah. Right, then we saw another Gemara. We're talking about Kavod Habriyot, Brachot Yutet. The Gemara there says that how is it that uh, how is it that Habriyot, human dignity, can push aside uh, the a, let's can push aside a the the, the, the bright that says a a say in the Torah. The Gemara answers that Lo Ravkana answers Rav answer is in front of Ravkana that lota say is Lo ta-sur. I think says, if you can push aside Lotasur, Lotasur is no different than any other Pasuk of the Torah, so you should be able to push them all aside. I think answer is, no, Lotasur is different because all Durabhanans are samukh in some way, right? They are leaned against, they are supported by Lotasur. But it's not the same thing as saying that they're the meaning of Lotasur. So there's some kind of ambiguity there. And what sorts of things are being, are being supported by Lotasur? So the things that Kvodabriyat overwhelms we only have two examples earlier in the saga so- yeah, and we don't know if those are the only kinds of examples that are connected to Sur. one is the uh, ability to jump over for co- for Koenim to jump over coffins for quthbrioth uh, but that's a kind of um, funny example because really why shouldn't conim be able to jump over coffins at all so the answer is when you jump over a coffin you form a tent over the right over the dead body and so now but that's only true if there's no lid in between you. And there is a lid under the coffin. So the Gemara says, well, the rabbis assumed that, un- right, enabled you to make the presumption that there is enough space between the body and the lid of the coffin that actually the, the lid of the coffin is already the tent, and you, when you jump over, you're not, you're not forming a tent. And then they said, but it's also Drabadan anyway. So the question is, did they create the Isur, or did they create the Heter? Uh, right, because they could right they could have just said what 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 entitles you to assume, right? But they made but you could, but formally it's a rabbinic issue, that you're not allowed to jump over you're not allowed to jump over um over coffins. Now what is the purpose of this esour? Loose. Yeah. No, it's the, it's, it's a that Kohanim are not allowed to, uh, right? I, I imagine probably, I don't know, right? What happens if you put an object that is tumah on Tumah over a coffin? Does that also require acquire Tumah Durbanan, or is it just, right? That's the question you're asking, or is it just a prohibition for Kohanim jumping over it? Uh, I would think that it's just a prohibition for the Kohanim. I would think, but I don't know for sure. It's a great question. Uh, right? so that's one kind of, you know, kind of odd prohibition. And the other kind is that if you have a field where you know there used to be a corpse, but it's been plowed, so there might not be enough of the corpse left. So you're allowed to blow your way, like you on your hands and knees, and blow your way through the field to make sure there are no bones in front of you. Also, a very weird halacha. Uh, but you could say they're just typical xero designed to prevent you from actually violating the biblical thing. You could say that. Um, it's, uh, it's very odd. Uh, okay, so we but we could say. We could say that the language of the Gemara is all the Kol alotasur. So we could say that all the rabbanon are alotasur. Then there's no difference between mitzvot and zayrot and anything else you want to come up with. or we could say we have two kinds of mitzvot. Maybe there's another kind. So the challenge then is that there is another Gemara um, which says that the relationships, um, the, um, the, the, um, the, the relationships, for, the relationships for, This is Yevamah Chav Alaf Manal, verse number five. The relationship between uh, the these the relationships that are considered incestuous, even though they're not explicitly mentioned in the Torah, um, so the Gemara starts with remiz lishniot minat minayin, and the Gemara answers with et mishmarti asu mishmeret le mishmarti. So we don't really know what the words shmartem and mishmeret mean here. Uh, right, that's a challenge. Like, what's the uh, right? What is what does it mean to be Shomera mishmeret? What does it mean? Right? Does it mean that? Your Mishmeret is the same as my Mishmeret? Or does it mean that your Mishmeret is guarding my Mishmeret? Well, then what's your Mishmeret guarding, right? It's very very hard to figure out what the actual language here is. But it seems like there's a new category. The to ask the same question here as it does in Brachot. Hang on a sec. If you have a Pasuk, so then it's still right to forget. It's not a Remez anymore. It's just in the Torah. And the answer is No. Um, right, so the Torah says yes, yes, the Torah, but it requires interpretation. The Torah says, yeah, but all the Torah requires interpretation, and the answer is Elamid Rabbanu Alma. So Asmachdim Alma might mean the same thing as Asmachinu, and now that seems, now why didn't they quote Lo Sasser then? So that seems to suggest that they're either that these are conflicting sugyot, or that they fall that the larayot fall into a separate category than mitzvot and whatever the things are. That are mentioned that are covered by the pasuk of um, by the of in the Sugo of K'fod-Hebria. Okay, that's where we are Gemaras. Okay, now we start on Rambams. and the Rambam has categories that are not, so far as we can tell, based on these um, based on these sugyis. He has his own categories. Problem number one. Uh, problem number two is it may be the Rambam is wildly inconsistent. So we have in the source sheet five different sources of uh, of Rambam, in which he tries to classify the kinds of non nonderiteal laws that rabbis make and provide sources for them and he has consistent term maybe consistent terminology but the way which he lists the sources doesn't seem consistent at all so we're going to try and see if we can put it together and then I'm going to try and uh, I, I mentioned one part of a thesis last week I'm going to try and advance another one this week and see if uh, you'll see if you're convinced I should say that I haven't gone through again I should have um, the the locus classicus for trying to deal with all these kinds of issues is a, um, a dialogue between um, al Wasserman and the Chazun Ish, uh, where al Wasserman, for polemical purposes, is trying to construct rabbinic authority. Um, and he writes to the Chazun who doesn't always make him happy. But the Chazun is not as willing to just say, okay, the, it must be the the L'Khazunish means you have to follow rabbis everywhere. Right, the kind of answers Khanan wanted, so Khanan has to construct much more sophisticated answers to try to um, to explain what the source rabbinic authority is. But he's mostly functioned on a fo- focus on authority to interpret Torah and not authority to make the rabbinic. That's why I don't think it's, it's quite as critical. But you should be aware that many of the moves we might have to make are moves that are anticipated by Khanan. and it's called I think kuntrus um, d'freisofr. You know, essentially, he has to do. I guess I'll, I'll foreshadow. He has to try and claim that losasser functions on multiple levels. There's a losasser as it functions for the great Sanhedrin. There's losasser as it functions, as it functions for rabbinic authority in our time. And you know, then he has concentric circles of authority depending on how that, how that functions. Um, he, he, the precedent for that is the Gemara already. We, we, have, we have the halakha of Mamre, but you don't really want to claim that the halakha of Mamre is the only possible way which you can violate losasser because Zak Mamre is limited to people who are qualified to be members of the Sanhedrin. So you already have a way in which that Pasuk can reply differently to great scholars and to ordinary lay people. And so once you do that, you can start extending it to, uh, to various other ways. So there's some kind of move like that may have to be made. Okay, so we, we took a look at the um, at the um commentary to Mishnah Avodah Aleph Aleph, which introduced the term the Asus Yag Torah. We have not seen anywhere in the Gemara a source for the phrase Asus yaglatura," And in fact, we're not going to write this It's a Mishnah. It's not, it's not source. It's just a statement. of Although we will in the course of, of this year, we'll look at possible origins for it, which is not the same thing as sources for it. So what does Asus yaglatura" mean? So the Ramah says we're in source number six. So he quotes, our, he quotes the Gemara, about, Asu mishmeret which is about Shniyot LaRayot. So we could say that La LaRayot are Asyagla yaglatura." We ban these relationships because in some way they protect the other relationships, but it's not obvious. Uh, so it could be the Raman sees it as conflicting sugyotes, and he thinks that in the end the only source is Asumishmarat Lumish We'll have to see if that's sustainable. Um, and the Ramintrus is another word here, right? He says, meaning the Xerot and Takanot, but he calls them all, they're all Shemarkikina like havira. At least that's the Hebrew translation. Um, okay, so. He thinks that the sins called zir and takanot, zir and takanot, are equal to siagim, and they all come from vasu mish merit marti. Okay, not so obviously consistent with our gemara. Okay, moving on. Uh, Source number seven right? this: is the Rambam's introduction to the uh, right to the parish generally. He talks about five categories of law. The first three, as he mentioned, are not relevant to our purposes because they are um, not not functions of rabbinic creativity. Um, right, there, there's halach l'mosh v'sinai, which is dictated by God, there's perushim l'mosh perushim which are things that he thinks are self-evident interpretations, and then there are things that the rabbis derive by interpretation, okay, but that are still dioraita, right, huh? then he has two more categories the fourth category are, he says these are the laws that the rabbis the prophets, and, the prophets and sages of every generation so he puts in prophets, whether that matters or not, I don't know, established as a fence or hedge for the Torah so that's what we want and these are the laws that Hashem commanded us to do generally when he said, you must be Shomira my mishmeret. So we're consistent so far, right? We have a siyag. And a siag is things that are, um, right, that, that, are, that are a fence or a fence or head, right? And these are the laws that Chazal call xerot. I doesn't use the word takanot here. But, these, but so far, siyag equals gzerot equals shomer mishmeret the mishmarti. Then he says something which I thought was really interesting in this regard. is Right, and I'll try and explain this because I think this is going to be crucial. Um... He says, right. His his interest in the introduction to the Mishnah is explaining where there can where there can be disputes and where there can't be disputes. And halakha it, there can't be disputes, right? Oh, but is it but there can be disputes in this category? And then he gives an example. He says, well, what about uh, what about of, uh, Sorry, what about uh, basar of b'chalav? So that's the machloke in the Gemara. Great, right? We know a the machloke in the Gemara. But I and mean, here's the thing. he said, he doesn't present this. Right? This is the point I tried to make last week, and I'll say it again because I think it's hard, but important, and we'll try and refine it further. He doesn't say that at some point back in history there was uh, there there was or was not a xera, and we lost the tradition about whether there was or wasn't, and so now there's an argument. What he presents it is as lie. In the time of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi Haglili and whoever other other rabbis involved in the conversation in the Mishnah and Chulin are, they argued about whether to make this decree. To ban chicken and milk, and, right, right, and uh, at the end of the day, Rabbi Yossi Aglili said it's fine. Right, Rabbi says the the right—that's a whole challenge. But that's the fact. Right, so now we have a controversial decree, and the result of this controversial decree is geographic differences. Where they decide, where the rabbinic authority of the time said make this decree, that decree is binding. And where the arts of Rabyosi aglili, where that decree is not was where the rabbi who in charge of that community did not accept the decree, it's not binding. So that's an amazing right. So now all of a sudden we have you can't say that the Raman decrees require the establishment of the Sanhedrin Agadol under his full authority, because then it would be bound by would be bound to everybody. So that's right and he, he has so far as I can tell, he has no motive for doing this. Right? It's not there's no right, this is just what he thinks. That's what happened in that in that issue. So that seems to create lots of space. He says if there was assent by all regarding one of the they wrote, if it was universally agreed, so then you can't file it anywhere. But if, but in places where it was never accepted, it's not binding. Yes? Even if there was a Sanhedrin and. If it didn't spread amongst the whole population, right, the but that's not the case here. No one says that people can't withstand it. It's just this one rabbi who said, I think this is a bad idea. Not, I wasn't thinking about whether they could stand it or not. I thought just if it didn't... It's a question about the Lama book, right? Not, still, no one there suggests it depends where it spreads to. Either it falls or it doesn't fall with central at right? The notion that you, can, that you can pixelate, right? That's an amazing notion here that the rama says. Okay, then he says, by the way, there's another category of the Rabbanans which we haven't seen so far. He so says, these are the laws that are made via analysis to, interp- to arrange interpersonal matters, social legislation. He says a matter that has it no addition to the words of the Torah nor subtraction. So I think what he means is that these are decrees that have no necessary relationship to any existing Deir right to law. They're just your own structures. Um, or matters that are because of tikkun law and the matters of religious law, things places where the religious law, the halacha, as it is, would have noxious social consequences, right? For example, we talk about if you allow if you allow husbands to send divorces to wives, and then by by messenger and then annul the, the divorce without without the messenger's presence, so you'll have you'll create mamzerah. right? So they, these are things they're not designed to protect the law, they're designed to organize society or to prevent the law from being abused. So these, he says, are now what the sages called Takanot and Minhagot. So in the, in the Parish Mishnaya, in the sorry, in the commentary of Avos, he puts Xerot and Min together. Here he has Xerot as one category, and Takanot and Minhagot in another category. And here the authority comes from since the entire nation has assented to them. V'eskima aleihem kol ha'uma. It's not rabbinic authority at all, even though these are made by rabbis. And the Pasuki has his Pared Sketer Nachash, in Mishli, I believe, Right, which is not their at all. So, like this is a whole new category. And how do right and the, and they're interesting classifications, right? So it sounds like he's defining these as those derabbanon which are neither mitzvot nor siagim. So they're not intended to protect their rasa. they do not even related to De anyway, and they're not designed right. And they're not designed to create new ritual. They're just designed to arrange society. Maybe 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 that includes mitzvot. Maybe it doesn't. Changing those is That's a that's a whole. You know, I'm I'm trying to try to avoid changing. because I just try to establish it in the first place. Changing changing different 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 uh, different like I think, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll put it now because it's it's a good thing to know about. You always have to be careful about statements about change, which is part of so we'll, My example of this is like we all make fun of the Magilla, right? Because Persian law, right? Silly law. You can't change anything that the king made, right? But all the king has to do is make another law. And that right, even if it contradicts the previous law, right? So I, would, like everyone else, I made fun of that. And then I discovered, like you know, the Raman famously says there are all sorts of there are that you can never change. Your right does the Raman thinks in principle are changeable, but rabbanon are not changeable. And um, the ravshach, the Yaviezer, uh, not the shach, ravshach, um, has it challenged this? Because there's a Gemara which makes it, you know, which seems to make it clear that there was a, that there was a change because they went back and forth about whether they wanted to make sure there were fruits in your slime or weren't, depending on, the, on, you know, on whether there's a bed to make this or not. And our shop solution is, you know what? You're right, you can't change them. But guess what? You can always make another decree, <laughs> which has the, right? But, and people are bound by the last decree. It, so you, can't, you can't undo the first decree, but you can make a new, so, you know, so in the end, you know, it seems to be a system that works in all sorts of legal systems, and we perhaps shouldn't make so much fun of Persia. <laughs> Uh, so when you talk about how things can change, that's, all very, you know, that's a complicated thing because I think in the end there are always going to be ways to change the, the um, as there's always going to be ways to make new law, right? Because that's, that's giving, you know, giving, right? The question is how hard the workarounds are right? and how high, the, how high the barriers are going to be. But changing is a different, but i just give you that as an example of like how you, you can read a statement, there's no change, and then, you know, <laughs> just comes along and blows it up. And it turns out that's pretty much, pretty much everyone thinks something like that is true that, you know, you know, you can't undo, you know, now we can try and combine categories. You can't undo Xera, but you make a Takana that contradicts xera. <laughs> Right, so is that, a, right, is that undoing Xera that it gets complicated? Okay. So that's where we are now, right? We have a, the Rambam has confused us about the category of Takanos. He has not quoted in, in this regard, he has not quoted Lotasur at all. He only, right, he only quotes the mishmarti and then he thinks that Takana Minaga don't even require that. Okay, moving on to source number eight. Now we are in the introduction to the Sefer, uh, to the Sefer HaMitzvot. Uh, so the introduction to the Sefer HaMitzvot, we have a new interest. We're not interested in where Machloket is possible. What we're interested in is which, right, which sort of things count in the 613 mitzvot. Okay, and I think you, you, you all know that uh, the number 613 only appears in one place in the Gemara, and it's kind of ironic because that's the Gemara does 613 in order to get it down to one. Right, so how seriously we should take the number 613? A little bit hard to know. Um, the Ramban points this out. But at the end, it seems like you know people took the number 613 seriously. Why or why not, I don't know. Uh, the Ramban took it seriously. But before the Ramban, the Bahag took it seriously. right? So the, the Ramban's the introduction is in large measure designed to explain his criteria for inclusion and exclusion, and particularly opposed to the Bahag. And famously, the thing that he objects to in the Bahag is that the Bahag counts the The Bahag counts all the Durbanan mitzvot. He counts Megillah and Hanukkah and all all, all those sorts of things, and the Ramam thinks that that is not the proper way to count. So here's part, right? So he says, it seems to me that what brought them to this, what brought the Bahag to counting Durbanans is our blessing on them who sanctified his, his husband and commanded us. And the Talmud's question, where did he commanded us? And answer, do not stray. But now the Ramam makes a fascinating argument. He says... If they're going to count all the mitzvot derabanan, the because they come from losasser, then they should count anything derabanan, because whatever the sage has said to do or cautioned us against, Moshe Rabbeinu was already commanding uh, was already commanded to command us to uphold them, right? Because what did Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu now he quotes the whole pasuk, right? That's right. That tells you right you must act. So, all the positive commandments come from Alpiyah Torah Shayyaruchah and caution us against transgressing any matter they made as a, as a kind of Zairah. So, seemingly, as it says, Lotasur. So, here the Rambam seems to think that all Durabanans are from Lotasur. At least the negative Durabanans are from Lotasur. The positive ones maybe are from Alpiyah Torah But the problem is the Gemara doesn't quote Alpiyah Torah Shayyaruchah for the mitzvot. The Gemara quotes the Le Mishmarti. And the Rambam didn't quote Lotasur when he talked about Xeret Minhagot in the introduction of the parish of Mishnayas. So, right, so here, the Rama seems to be using a wholly different classification, which it seems really, really hard to um, to make consistent with what he said every with what he said everywhere else. Really, really hard to make consistent. Uh, right? Hey, you know, the only, only thing that gives you hope is that here he's quoting a basuki, he didn't bother quoting any of those places. So maybe there's a way to... Uh, but the Rama's argument seems to be that, right, that... Um really really all durabanans are duraita. It's just right, um right, it's just a matter uh, right. So if you're gonna if you, if you're trying to classify things on the basis of the versus the that's a silly way to go about things because right, either all Dirabanans are one mitzvah or every Dirabanan is his own mitzvah. Okay, now the Ramban attacks him. I think the Ramban here is a source of great uh, puzzlement and I'm not gonna try I'm gonna try not to spend so much time on it because we may not get better than anybody else at it. But at least we should be aware of the issue the this. Right? Ramban so first of all you always have to figure out when the Ramban plays defense. Is he is he stating his own opinion or is he just trying to defend the position he's defending, right? That's a, that's the thing that Ramban does a lot is he says things in defense of another position, like certainly when he was younger. Um, right, so that's all in the Mechamos, he's defending the rif, and in the right and the commentary commentary he's defending the Bahag. So, you know, so if you found contradictions in that and the Ramban elsewhere not such a big deal because the Ramban might be arguing uh, so. but here's what he says the, the position of Bahag in this matter is not wondrous or distant um, right? meaning it's, it's not bashamay, Lo <laughs> uh, right? because every xerah the Chazal meet as a siag, so as not to touch the does not enter this calculation right? so the Syagim don't but the mitzvot do Right, that's Baha'g's right, his claim for Baha's Baha'g as a basis for counting mitzvot, but not se'giim. Why? Because um, he says precisely for what Rambam talked about. Right, what Rambam talked about earlier, those mitzvot, those mitzvot that are connected to the are subsumed within the category of that oraisa. Even though they fall under losasur. But right in terms of what their authority is, but if you're talking about what their classification is, their classification is whatever it is for their design to protect. So right, so you said there's no, there's no, um, there's no, uh, there's no problem, of the uh, there's no problem about why we count, um, why we count megillah and we don't count, um, you know, not carrying in or should the Okay, right, that's a fine distinction. Um, that's a fine distinction, you know, that, and it doesn't affect the question of authority. But then he says something new. He says, and the secondary relative prohibitions, right, the Shniyot, they're also not part of Lotosur. Why does he have to say that? He has to say that because he knows his a Gemara, which says, right, he's trying to reconcile the Gemaras, because they are not implied by the Torah, so the Torah could not include them within Torah prohibitions. So the Rambani comes up with a fascinating uh, category, of things that are prohibitions, and the prohibitions are the, pro, the prohibitions are um, the, the prohibitions are not designed to protect their races and they're not therefore they can't be included in their races, But they're not the same as mitzvot. But He only has one example of this category, which is the shniot l'arayot, So, which is a reasonable shot in the Gemara that it's only the, the only thing that's built on basuim shmirat mishmarti is shniot Rayot. And that's the content of the pasuk. The content of the pasuk is sexual prohibitions. So we create some <laughs> kind of general thing. And guess what? Right. So the Ishmar T is gonna. You know, maybe that. Maybe he thinks that should count as a mitzvah also, though he doesn't count it. I yeah, so yeah. The Baha'i does not count. As a I don't believe so. No, I don't think the Ramban, I don't think the Ramban the Ramban does either. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Okay, so that's a right. That's a um, that's a weakness, but um, but he seems to think you know it's kind of a. It's not, he, I, I would say, like the most likely thing is he says, look, there are things that the shnei arayot are really included within the arayot, but they can't be included into lotasur because lotasur requires interpretation, and the shnei arayot are not the result of interpretation, the result of an independent judgment, and that makes a much, much bigger claim. Which we I'm going to make this very very large claim, and you can and you can buy it or not. Many of the derasis yagim. Um, and this will connect back to what we did about the coffin. Uh, the, 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 um, the, the, the it was a somewhat arbitrary decision where to cut the deorita off and start calling a drabanon. You could have just made them all deorita. It's a rabbinic choice to say, you know what, we're going to cut off the authority level of our, of our interpretation here and say it's only to this up to here and but now the, and beneath that we think it's sort of in the ambit of the Torah, but we're gonna call it Draban for our own reasons. Because so we want suffix l'kula, whatever it may be. But I think that's what the Ramban is saying here. He's saying like, you know, the but the Arayel, we can't do that. There's no way you can get additional relationships out of it because it's not expanding all right, it's not expanding a, a prohibition, it's making stuff up. So, right, but it's making stuff up that we still feel fits in the same category, but we don't have a an interpretational basis for doing it. That's uh, as opposed to like Shabbos, right? We can we can extend we can interpret Shabbos as much as we want. Carrying, right? There's not nothing in the Torah, right? You can just say the Torah says don't do Malacha. We can expand the category of Malacha as far as we want. But we can't expand the category of niece or right of nephew, right? Or brother in law, right? right? We can't expand those categories. Yes. Not just, they're not just categories, but they're also mitzvah, Each of those is their own mitzvah. Yes which which mitzvah does do the Shniot expand on it's none of them. so that's also a fair question yeah that you know and it's probably a weakness of Ramban's argument that you know maybe Bahag doesn't have such a good reason for not counting the shniots, uh maybe for not counting them each separately right if Bag had done that the Ramban would have defended him but again the not you know, I think that's what it's useful The Ramban is just defending a uh, right in the end of the day he doesn't count the Rambanas either Right, so he's not right. He's just trying to come to the best possible argument for the Baha'i. The best possible argument for the Baha'i is that mitzvot are somewhat different, and then he's honest. Like, well look, this has Kamara about the This has a different basuk. Hmm. Eh. <laughs> okay, I think that's where, I think that's that's where he is. But I think, what what we need out of this, okay, and right, we we need out of this is that um, the Ramam doesn't understand why you would make mitzvot different than segeim. And the Ramban does. Now the Rambam is problematic because he also has this category called Takanot that wanders back and forth. But uh, right, um, but fundamentally, I think that's a core question that the, Rambam, the That the Rambam, the Rambam's question shows that he thinks that ultimately all the Rambans are just are 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 just los So it seems here or Shmuel we'd have to work that out. And the Ramban says, no, mitzvot are a different thing. So, again, are a different thing, right? They're not the same thing as each other. Okay. Now let's take a look at the Ramah in his introduction to the Mishnah Torah. So here he tells you, right, that he's going through the history of Tarash Balpeh. And he tells you that in the Masoret that Chazal had, they also explained the matters that the sages and prophets of every generation were gozer in order to make a yag for the Torah. That's all good. As I heard from Moshe explicitly, and here he says again, shomer, right, you must be Shomer Mishmeret, Mishmeret le mishmarti as seen fit, right, then he says, also explains the minhagot and took takanot, and all of a sudden here, lo shows up. So, right, if you like, try, start tracking the Rabbah, right, so he has, he says, right, in Avod, he says that gzirut and takanot are all based on mishmarti, In the, in the, in the, to, the to the parish in Avod, he says that gzirut am Mishmarti, but takanot are something else entirely based on Pore's getter. The Sefer Mitzvot, he said everything is lo and in the introduction to the Torah, he says, Syogim and Xerud are based on Mishmarti, but I mean I go and talk an order based on sur So we have uh the Raman gets to be to right, gets to be a further and further mess. Um Okay, and then in um in the in s in Hilchus Mamrim source eleven, the Ram um the Ramam says that um, uh Right, so the starts by saying, right? So it starts up, here it's divided into three parts, right? So the first part, he tells you that the Beit is the source of all halachot of all halachot deorisa, that's A. All right, that's all, right? Iker I get we could talk about the rose lambdas in there, which is beautiful, but doesn't matter to us right now. Right? They're the source of everything. Right? Then we get to B, right? Then you get punished if you, if you, if you violate them. And now in the middle of B, here's what matters, about halfway down. He says... Whether, right, he says, whether matters are derived by a tradition, whether matters are derived analytically, whether matters that they made as a hedge for the Torah, and in accordance with the need of the hour, these being the about the Takanot, the Minagot, each and every one of these three matters, there is an assay to obey them, and if you violate them, they, right, you, uh, you, you violate a Lotta Asayi. All right, so he puts, here he puts together all the Deraisas and the Rabbanans in the same thing. All the right, every, every Deraisa, every derabanan as long as it's under the authority of the rabbis there's an asana lota se the asana is al piatra shor yaruha right um and right or, or right al lah bi shpatashu girul um right and then wasasur is the lotasur is the tradition so the question is in this um in this in this framing so um what happened to the um, authority for Xerod and Takanot Min Right, he gave you a whole list of whole whole category of lists of law. All right, there's right that you can't write tradition, exegetical principles, and then hedge and need of the hour, and each of those is a do. And all right, so the first right, so that's right, it's the first one, right? So that's the first, right? It says, behold, it says on the on the basis of the Torah they will direct you. These are the Takanot and Xerod and Minhagot, which they direct to the public in order to strengthen the religion and repair the world. So all. Things we call the Rabbanon are the, now the first category of law, and they're not from Lotassur, and they're not from Asumish Parat Limish Marti, they're from Al Piat Torah Shayarucha. Right? Because that's where he puts them all. So, okay, so now we have Rabban who thinks everything comes from Asumish Parat Limish Marti, Rabban who thinks everything comes from Lotassur, and Rabban who thinks everything comes from Al Piat Torah Shayarucha. Yes? This is kind of a, a bit of a funny question. Yeah. So um, the Gemara said that these psyche Moras yeah. Which so now when later rabbis come and start trying to line up what comes from what passage, but it seems like the gemara has already said these things, I guess depending on how you interpret asmaqtah, but these things aren't really important. Well, so let's we have to be careful. whether aspekino means the same thing as asmaqtah Alma. Okay. But right. Mishmarat the was asmaqtah be'alma. Uh, mishmarat the mishmarat was asmaqtah be'alma. That's correct. Yeah. So I think that's. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think that the, you know that everyone is struggling with you know with a uh, with the problem that Raman and Ramban and that Mahol address directly. Like, how could there be an authority for drabbanans that's not the right to it? How could there be a category of law called drabban? The so there will be, you know, later theological attempts, maybe a rooted in ramban, to claim that you know that the authority of Chazal doesn't come from the Torah at all. It comes from their ability to understand what God's will would be. But it's still okay, what gives them the authority to interpret God's will be. You still get you right it's, you know if it's not in Torah, right? Unless you claim it's like a, a rational first principle you should obey rabbis. Which, you know, it may be true for rabbis, but, <laughs> but not for everyone else. I d I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a I think that's a great that's a great question. Yeah. All I'm setting up, you know, I want to I wanna set up all the distinctions so we're aware of them, right? So we have mitzvot, shniot, Xerot, Takanoot, Minagot. Um and I wanna show that the Rambam seems to be wildly inconsistent about the use of Pesachim, which might just be right. Maybe he just doesn't care about the Pesachim. Maybe it's just obvious to him that Torah has to be, in- be interpreted. and Who else would interpret it but the smart people? Yes. Uh, i also uh, yeah. intrigued by his anger, need the most of Torah Torah. And to all And practicing Jews to rely upon those I mean, even if Do you we don't believe. you're one of the people who doesn't follow and that'll also get us into a whole mess, right? What does Rabban think Does he think you're really not Jewish? Then you're really not bound? Right, you know, that sometimes he has extreme implications like that. We don't like him nowadays. Uh, right, you know, right. Nichnas B'chal his language about the Yidogim Yidot and the Yidogim in in the Parish We really don't like that. Um, but, you know, like the hidden, right, the hidden effort of the Shem Sofer. Declare that reformed Jews were really not Jews. Like if you don't talk about much nowadays, but he really did think that. Um, but he you know, he lost, and uh, now uh, yeah, they were uh, there was a vision of the Gaonim right that um, the Gaonim thought that you could convert out. All right, it's us to do it almost certainly, but uh, but if but but the, the Gaonim seemed to have thought at least some of the G'onim thought that you could convert out to Islam, and once you convert out to Islam, then you're not Jewish. There's not a There's not allowed to do it. You're, break, you're, you're breaching all your covenantal obligations. But once you breach it, it might work, right? We don't bask in that way, right? We we hold these uh the who, right, which becomes very important, you know, during the right, you know, during times of persecution. You don't want the people who converted out under raids. You can claim they're under force, but some people always do it not under decision force. Right? So all sorts of really good policy reasons to do that. Okay, I want to look at still at the bottom at the bottom of sea, We're still in realm hilchos mamrim. Right now he's back to Machlokit. He says, after he's saying there's no Machlokit in, in the, in, uh, the divrei Kabbalah, he says, If some people think, right, this is the xer we should make, this is the kind of we should make, uh, people should stop doing this practice. I think that's what means, people should stop doing this practice. And some of them think no. So right, so we know what the right answer. The right answer is so it depends. Any place which is controlled by the people who think you should, great. Any place right, but he doesn't say that. Here he says no. They have a they have a they, right, they have a conversation and a debate and they vote and the majority rules. Bagzerut and Takadot and also. So if I correctly read the introduction of the Parish Mishnayas, that he thinks the machloket about about sarof of bechalav is live, so how is it that he can how is it that he can say this um, this here at all? Um, okay, that gets us through the um, rambams. I'm gonna set out my thesis and right, which is not gonna fit everything, but you'll see if you buy it. <coughs> uh, my thesis is that the rambam thinks that the authority of zero takadim is different when it comes from the beit and when it doesn't. So when it comes to the beit it's a function of lotasur and is bound by majority rule, and when it comes fr- and when it comes from Authorities other than Beitin HaGadol is Shamrut mishmarti, and it can be divided. Um, right, and that's, so the solution to many of the contradictions of the Rama is that he believes that there is rabbinic authority, which is not the Beitin HaGadol. Um, he doesn't think that comes from Letasur. And he never, really exa- very, he never really very carefully defines what the boundaries of that are. And if that were the case, so then, since it's not the Bezi Nagadol, so then we can construct whatever authority we construct for other kinds of rabbinic authority, we can construct for that, because it doesn't depend on the Bezi Nagadol. Yes? And it's, So it's not like a, a miniature version of it. Be- it's not some degraded Bezi yeah. concept Yeah. Yeah, you can have a vote, you don't, you don't even vote. Some people say yes, some people no, and We and we agree okay, your place yes, my place no. And we respect that. We don't try to impose on you. That suggests um, that's a, now it, it could be that that relates to the other mysterious Ramam where he talks about takanot and Minagot depend right coming from acceptance by the population, and right, it could be that you know he talks about the case of kibel and kol What about kibel only partial umah, only the people in Israel Sharon, only people in Sharon, only people in Massachusetts. So it could, and it, and it could be, we could be fancier and say that maybe he thinks the word gzerot only applies to things that are under lotosur, or. But that takanot and minagot, even though they accomplish the exact same thing, right, because you can't get more gzerot than, than, than um, chicken and milk in terms of structure. But it, right? but it could be that the distinction between zero and takanot and minagot is, a, right, it, terminologically is largely a function of authority structure as opposed to substance structure. Okay, so that, that's, that's the radical hope I want to get. It's not going to explain everything, but I think it will probably, my thesis is it will explain more of the contradictions in Rambam better than any competing thesis. Um, okay, so that's a really big one, which you you, know, you can spend the rest of your life trying to figure out if I'm right or not. Um, I, want, I want to do two other things today, so I'm going to go on. And you'll see if you get right. Um, I want to, I want to um, talk about now... Um, what the necessity, the history and necessity of the Rabbanans, um are. Um, so I talked about last time. I talked about the concept of shlichutayu, right? That um, it's, it's sort of a circular argument. It's like natural selection. I guess so I can get you know, some of my hobby horses out, right? Natural selection is a tautology. You all get that. Obviously, it's a tautology. It's a, tautology. It's a thing which which right, which is true by definition, right? Things which, right, only things that survive survive. The only way to prove that anything has a survival, has an additional survival capacity is that it survived. If it didn't, well, well, proof, right? It's not a, it's a, it's a, it's a dogma, right? You know, or in that, but it's a, it's a dogma. I like to talk about chihuahuas. Why, why, why are there chihuahuas? Because they're cute, right? Cute, cuteness is a survival characteristic. You know? so maybe human beings are God's chihuahuas. Um, okay, right. They're just trying right, to put, you know, put that that. Arguments about what about what works are almost always circular. Right? Say, saying that something exists because it works is always circular. By the same token, right, everything which is necessary for halakha to survive exists. Right? And if something doesn't exist in halakha, it's obviously not necessary for halakha to survive. Unless you claim that our circumstances are radically different than the past circumstances. But right, but obviously halakha has had everything it needed to survive as much as it has survived. So, it was this example right, where, the, where there are certain things... That you would have thought were necessary for Alephad to survive. Particularly, we would have thought real smicha was necessary for Alephad to survive. Rabbula ben Bava goes and sacrifices his life to, get, to to save smicha during the Roman era. Why does he sacrifice his life? Because he thinks that otherwise Torah is going to die. How can you have Torah without real smicha? Without real smicha, you can't have a Sanhedrin. Right, it's right. Without real smicha, forget a Sanhedrin, you can't judge Dinei You can't judge any Always, you can't have a functioning society without smicha. And then you know, and then uh, you know, I don't know, nine hundred years later. Smicha Peters out, and halacha still goes on. Now you could say, look, we can't run a coherent society the way they did. That's true. We didn't have to, because right, because we were living in the diaspora, right. So that's right. That's all. That's the whole challenge about whether we should revive in right. That's Rav Maimon's attempt to revive in the twentieth century. Now we have a state. Now we can't get by anymore with the workarounds we came up with. Right? We engaged in then, but for nine hundred years, you had enough. So, uh, right. So the question is, can halacha survive? without the rabbinic authority to legislate. Um, right, right, and so you have to tell me, well, yes, it, well, if, if you think that, is in, that in fact there has been no legislation, so then it's silly to argued no, Allah can't survive, but did. All right, so I have to prove that it's necessary and that it happened, and that it's right, and that it's a fairly recent phenomenon that people thought it couldn't happen. And, right, and that's dangerous because in fact we only survived because it happened. That's one. The other argument would be that, no, now something has happened in the new world, and in the, in, in the new world would it require. I it. wish you can argue. You can argue that we lived in a roughly static world you know, for, uh, for, for 1,500 years, and now the world is changing so rapidly that we need legislative capacities in which we have, it. and whether because we have a state or something else, I find the argument less compelling. than I'd rather be happier to say that there always, were, there always were ways to do it, and that we have just, for some reason, decided to pretend that there weren't or convinced ourselves. Okay. So here's a miri. Miri says the following. This is source number 12. The third statement is that they must make a hedge for the Torah, right? That's the three things that said. Because until that time, Sh'adat Huzman, Lohayu osin siag The miri makes the claim that the idea of a siag is invented at a certain point in history. Right? That Anshagasagdola didn't just intensify the use of siags, they didn't focus on it, they invented the siag. Um. Because until that time, they would not make a hedge to read prohibit the printed out of concern lest they come to do something prohibited, and the result, right? So they so they were always afraid that right that every chumrah has a kula. Every chumrah has a kula, and they were afraid that if they um, that if they added a term, they would end up right creating conflicts of law and they would violate other d'oraisas, whether the interpersonal, you know, which is an easy example, or um, or right or just because of the conflicts of law. As a result, he said, but they actually kept violating really certain. Like if you look, at, if we if we go back and look at the history of Beit Rish- Rishon, people are constantly violating real dereisos. Why? Because they don't have their Right here, right. You know what's the worst? Is so the worst that's going to happen on Shabbos is somebody's going to somebody's going to carry Rishon or Abim But they really violated Shabbos. Right. They, right. All this, right? So the work. Um. But they were afraid to do them. Right, he says, look, we found real intermarriage, which he seems to think you know, we already can't imagine a time when there's really intermarriage, I guess. <laughs> um, in our at our era of the Kama the at eight thirty in the shul, if you want. the um, um, <laughs> But now and he dates it, right? He says, now the Ajit dolah he doesn't think it means the return of the Sanhedrin of the Sanhedrin in Israel. He thinks it means the um, right the the uh, the right Mordechai. The is still in Bavel." Um, he'd chilul asert takanudik the kadeisha asman mutarla him sholiga gabi ha'turah uchvar hutzia min ha'turah kimershu dershe rizal shmar temeim mishparti. So Mary, first of all, he follows the Rambam and he thinks the gem comes from a similar. He doesn't quote. The, he doesn't base them on the sources. And it is this claim that you know what the Alchazagdola said it because it wasn't necessary or even a good idea until then. They had a cost-benefit analysis and they thought. We know there's real costs, but the benefits are worth it. And so they didn't make siagim. So siagim is a whole historical phenomena that become necessary at a certain point in time. And he thinks that you know there, there would have been disaster if they hadn't invented it. Okay, now that, skip them from the Erie. I don't to Ryaku Kamenetsky, who I assume knew the Meiri, but I'm not sure. Um, um, Sarak so, you know, is a, a late 20th century figure. He's a really fascinating figure in many, many ways. Here's what he says This is, right, I met Liakov to avoid, is people's um, memorized uh, trans, um, recreation of the Shalashuddha's he gave. Uh, right, he gave Turkey Avashir on, on Shabbos afternoon. So it's not his words in the same way, uh, perhaps as some other things are. So Vasus Heinu shechshav b'tzufad so he, lo- he locates it differently than the Miri. So all Yisraelahu b'tachlid hashleimut. The Jews are not on the same spiritual level. That's a, you know, a very classic claim that you know that they they worshiped the Vodizara. That's because they were religiously inspired. We can talk about that a lot more time. Right, as opposed, right? You know, we weren't ready for it in Vodizara. D'ol nigalu gilu Shlema, right? Famous Ram, you know Ramban that the second bit of midrash is only a facsimile. As hechlitu ansheknes zagdola, shekideish lo tishtakach Torah Israel. So he said, he makes mistakes explicit. The decided, you had to put in Xeros because otherwise Torah was going to disappear. Everyone's going to just violate the straight and nothing's going to be left. Up till then, people, of course, they were Siyagim to avoid falling to But they were subjective. You built your own Siyagim about what you think you need to do. But they decided that from then on, you could not do it. You could not leave it subjectively. Okay, so now he makes a historically contingent argument, right? That they decide that the whole nature of halacha has to change. We have to make syagim objective as opposed to subjective. Otherwise, Torah will disappear. So the question asked is, okay, and they made those syagim at that point, and then we can just live with the same Seagim they made? How far does that go? Is that we can just rely on the Seagim they made? Is it just their existence, or is the Sagim specifically necessary? So the case we're going to talk about, uh, at great lengths, is good, so we can turn right and we can see this, that we've, got, we've gotten up to it. Uh, sorry, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a there's another, my fault, right, source 14. Now, Yaakov says that, the, the right, how is it right, how is it possible, he says, that, that are different minhagim? So he thinks all differences in Minhagim stem from different takenots. Every bayton in its own place made its own takenot in its own time, and our Minhagim are just are echoes of those pasks they wrote in Takanot that were always necessary. Um and here's his example. Right, he says he says, look at B'ner Gershom, right? Ben Gershom's a takana. And it was only accepted in Um Okay, he says, one of the, he says um, the proof of this principle is what one of the 18 decrees of Hill and Shammai, we'll call them that, right? The, mish, the confusing structure of the Mishnah. Eight, um, was Xerah against reading by lamplight? So what, did nobody read by lamplight beforehand, right? Xerah against reading by lamplight on Shabbos because he'll adjust it. Did no one adjust it beforehand? Did no one adjust it afterwards? So he says, look, we see that the tour quotes the position that we're allowed to read by lamplight in Yom Kippur because people are in such terror of Yom Kippur. Nobody's going to adjust the lamp. So it must be that before Shil and Shammai, people were as terrified of Shabbos as we are of Yom Kippur, and that's why they didn't make didn't need to make such a decree. But we live in a world where right where Shabbos doesn't have that kind of decree. The people previously saw there was a world where people didn't have that kind of reaction, so they right so they decreed against addressing the light. So now the question is, and he says, here's this line, All right. And possibly in our day, if there were a Beit Din they would be gozer, but reading by lamplight, even on Yom Kippur. And that should be, right? Because that's really what's necessary. And then he has this whole amazing rhetoric, and it's only, right, it's only because, everything is according to the times, need, and the place, and it's only because of the power of the Xero, the Claudius Roll has stood firmly against the winds. right? It's only the existence of Xero and Takanot, the, the authority to issue Xero and Takanot, that has enabled us to withstand it. Well, how could we possibly exist now, then? If we have no authority to issue Xero. Now, Right, so I think he's very careful. Right, He doesn't he doesn't think that zero are different than takanot and He thinks they're all the same thing. He doesn't distinguish authority. Um, I think he's probably building off the building off the and thinking it's Asumish Merit and Mishmarti, and not Lotasur. I think that's what his rhetoric is. Um, but here you have a thesis, right? Somebody claiming that you can't, Halacha can't stand unless you have the capacity to adjust it in accordance with the needs of the day. And the needs of the day don't just include Kulahs, they include Chumras. Yeah. How do you distinguish like, between a sort of limited halakha versus a new time? You know, you can't talk to the lamp in a situation where it couldn't. You know, where you think you might. You get, I uh, get what I'm saying. Like, it's always the same halakha Where it just so right. So that is right. So the question is: It really, is it really the same halacha? Right. You can. You, we can. We can solve it. Right. One of we can solve it by interpretation. And okay, of with ever more expansive interpretations, uh, right, of, of past zero, then we say we're not making it, but there are going to be new situations where that's not true, uh, right? Where the only thing we can say is we're accomplishing the same purpose. So it happens that electric light, that light, reading by lamplight, is a really interesting question because the issue is, what do you think Chazal would have done about electric lights? So electric lights, you don't have to worry about people changing the draw. On the other hand, you have to worry about people, you know, if they're dimmer switches, you can write you can you can, right, you can imagine people searching that, you have to worry about switches and things like that. So electric lights become a really good way of um, testing the question. Of whether you think that it's adequate to just reinterpret, or whether you think that it's okay if we don't have the power, we can just live the way it is, or whether you think, you know, actually we need right we need the authority to uh, we need the authority to issue nuke zeros. So We'll see that both Rav Moshe and Rav um, right address that issue. So that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to do we're going to do the Rav Moshe generally and uh, his statement of limits rabbinic power and Rav attempt to source that statement. And then we're going to go through all Rav sources. And my argument is Rav Avdiya sources can be explained in a way that re, that that retains that retains rabbinic authority um, to, um, to, ma- to to make to make the necessary to make the necessary shifts. And you'll see if that convinces you or not.